Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate, I already hate it. I hate it. All right, hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Chase Thomas podcast, where I'm still the aforementioned Chase Thomas coming to you live from Knoxville, Tennessee, everything school HQ, my good friend down there in Decula, Georgia, high school football starting a little bit earlier than uh, the great state of Tennessee here back in the home state with Dylan Riola and company playing for the Buford Wolves and company, but it's it's all Decula all the time. Uh, and Falcon Pride here on this very program. Fellow University of North Georgia alumni is here. Matt Green, Matt, good evening. How are you? Good evening, sir. Um, yeah, it's funny you mentioned that because we are planning to go to a game this year for sure. Um, Hold on. Funny you mentioned. That's like something you follow that up with. We're going tomorrow. We're going for Friday. We're going to the Corky Cal. You don't just, now that you mention it, we might go to a game at some point in the next four months. That's not. We actually had a conversation about, okay, yeah, let's uh, let's try to go to a game this year. I think it's like only like one home game, like the whole like first month of the season or something. Oh, okay. Um, but then Buford plays that tequila at some point but i'm sure everywhere buford goes it's just gonna be a, a madhouse but uh that's a yeah, tough matchup t- watch t- they t- both have the same gold uh nothing on it helmet well no buford's been changing things up recently oh. like i've seen they've had like a white helmet like a low action that wolf logo on it like they hmm. they they got all, they got all kinds of uni options and stuff like i've seen them in all green and stuff like that like yeah they'll they'll do some it's 21st century, man. The 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 uni the uniforms how uh is what gets the guys excited. Justin Roper and Dion Walker don't know what they missed out on. Uh, graduating early They're in the 2000s. That's the extent of my Buford Wolves Justin early days. Justin Roper, wow, it's a good pull. He went to Oregon. I want to I want to say out of out of uh, Buford. Yeah, he that's, did. Uh, going way back. I want to say he's like a coach at Furman now. Sounds right. I think he's at Furman. I want to say the amount of useless Tim, stuff I just Tim have Wansley was brain. always my uh, was always my guy back in the mm. day uh, corner from Buford that went okay. to Georgia yeah big time pick six in the Georgia Tech game back in uh, that because Tech beat Georgia three straight 98 99 2000 that's basically what got Jim Donnan fired but uh, Mark Rick came in 
a lot of things uh, are, are kind of taken for granted about Mark Rick. Like, he he made the Georgia Tech rivalry a one-sided rivalry. He kind of made the Auburn rivalry a one-sided rivalry, too. It's like those programs may have had their ups and downs. Obviously, Tech way more than Auburn. But it's a, it's a big-time accomplishment for what Georgia was when Mark Rick took over. But if you had Paul Johnson versus Mark Rick for 10 years, who do you think has the better record in that series? If Georgia has Paul Johnson? No, if Tech has Paul Johnson for 10 years straight and uh, Georgia has Mark Rick for 10 years straight. It's probably exactly what it was. What, what did he, would he beat Rick like twice? No, more than like, that, right? How long no, was Paul he beat Johnson Kirby at Tech? Once. He beat Kirby once, year one. So mm-hmm. I think 2008 was year one um, mm-hmm. of Paul Johnson because he beat Kirby or beat Rick the very first year. And then I think 2014 was the only other time. Three and um, eight. Three and eight? Okay. Yeah, yeah so... I didn't it's realize he played him 11 times. Yeah, I mean, it's... Hmm. it's uh, Paul Johnson is definitely a factor in it becoming a one-sided rivalry, but uh, he's also... It's, Paul Johnson's such a weird guy, because it's like he was a really good coach, but he also, like, took the program backwards decades. So it's like, it's hard to, it's hard to evaluate him. We're not doing this. You're not throwing shade at Paul Johnson for being the most successful Georgia Tech football coach. I said he's a really good coach, but Georgia Tech is in an awful spot. They're in a way worse spot in, right now than they, they were when they were when the day Paul Johnson took over. All they had to do was transition from Paul to Monken to Jamie Chadwell. And this transition seamless and they're just fine. They're just rolling along the rambling wreck doing what they do. And Josh they had, Nesbitt, Jonathan yeah. Dwyer, uh, Bebe Thomas, rest in peace. Those guys were on the roster that Paul Johnson inherited. Like Tech hasn't gotten any guys like that in like a decade. All right. Well, anyway, this is not the slandering (laughs) Georgia Tech podcast on this very show. Matt Green, this is the SEC preview. But before we do the preview uh, here, the big the big daddy of them all here on this very show, Matt, how many days are we away from the good folks who are listening on their way to work on Wednesday, August 16th? What how many days will they have to wait until college football is back? They will have to wait 17 more days till the first Saturday week one. And don't don't uh, don't don't get uh, too down because we do have some college football before then. But uh, we're not we're not counting. We're, we're counting that first week one Saturday. We're 17 days away. Best 17 of all time. You got to go to the state of Georgia, man. Mm. But not for a Georgia Bulldog. One of the greatest athletes of all time. You just mm-hmm. get we talk about Bo Jackson. Talk about Deion Sanders. Mm-hmm. We don't talk about Charlie Ward enough. Oh, wow. 1990, what, three Heisman Trophy winner, I believe, from Florida mm-hmm. State. Absolute legend. Played like a decade in the NBA for uh, the New York Knicks. But, yeah, Charlie Ward, absolute. Brian Jordan's another d- d- dual sport athlete that gets forgotten about. But but Charlie Ward was a, was a baller. I'd say he's the probably the best 17 of all time. Um, a little bit better than Quincy Carter, I think, but uh, you know that's debatable. Um, no, Quincy Carter uh, did his thing for the dogs, but best dog, best seventeen for Georgia, without a doubt, the Mississippi native, uh, Nicobe Dean, national hmm. champion. Hmm. I'm thinking Davin Bellamy, Greg Blue was another great seventeen for sure, but uh, he hit harder. He was Nicobe cooler. Dean. Oh, for sure. Greg Blue is every Georgia fan's like favorite player. Thomas that Thomas Davis and Greg Blue, like just yeah. no one was hitting uh, 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 like those two safeties were. Uh, the 2003, 2004. 
But um, what yeah, was I mean, Thomas Kobe Dean? College. Was he ten? Yeah, he was ten. Okay. I mean, I just remember that guy on draft boards. That Thomas Davis was like the the third or fourth ranked safety prospect coming out, and like the third or fourth ranked outside linebacker prospect coming out. That dude is just an athlete. Like he's the kind of guy that would be perfectly built for like today's game. Not that Thomas Davis like didn't have a great career in the NFL or anything. But the, you're seeing just more of this positionless kind of just athletes that just he can cover, he can hit, like he can do everything like that. That's the kind of guy that uh, I feel like is perfect for today's college football. Yeah, I think that's probably probably true, Mac. Green. That's kind of what Nicobe Dean was. I mean, he was great in coverage, and that's why like that's kind of why he's the modern. Like it's kind of the difference between him and Roquan Smith. It's like he was better in coverage, and when you're playing so many passing. Uh, teams and he was really good at bl- uh, really good blitzer too. So excited to see those uh, Philly dogs this year, man. I think no Kobe D might be starting. Well, there you go. If he can stay on the field, uh, he's one of those. We'll, we'll have to see if he stays in the field, stays healthy, and uh, plays sure. a lot of snaps. Yeah. Um. On the other hand, T Martin obviously here. Like, there's no question that T Martin is the the best number seventeen in Tennessee history. Ninety eight. Many are saying it feels like 98 all over again, <laughs> Matt Green. I thought last yeah. year felt like 98. It's a vibe more so than an actual fact, Matt Green. When you go into every fall Saturday feeling like 98, there's nothing like it. Like, it, that's all you want. You want it to feel like 98. That doesn't mean the records and the experience and the titles have to feel like 98. What it has to feel like is you are going into every Saturday, every fall Saturday on Rocky Top, walking into Neyland, expecting to win expecting to put to out a premier product that's what feeling like 98 really is is like it the vibes are strong and when the vibes it are was strong 1998 last time tennessee felt tennessee fans felt like that huh uh, <laughs> i don't know there were some the <laughs> early butch years were feeling like that um i think they're because i mean early he, 2000s tennessee was obviously still casey clausen yeah they just they weren't winning sec championships anymore but eric so Ange was really that's good. the question is tennessee gonna own is, are they going to own the drought? Because say what you want about Georgia, they owned the drought. They they busted out the forty, the throwback for the fortieth year anniversary. They're like nineteen eighty. All the fans, all these other, all these rival fans talking shit. Like no, we're owning this. It's been forty years. We'll put the patch on the jersey. And luckily they they end up winning a championship next year. We didn't have to have a fifty year anniversary. But is is Tennessee going to have a patch the 25th year anniversary since the ninety eight team or something like that? I don't think so. They don't, want to, they don't want to remind people. I mean, it's been is, a while. It's a weird thing to. I, I don't know. Probably not. That doesn't. It really... is a strange thing to do when you think about it. Yeah, I wouldn't do it. I don't think that will happen. Uh, Matt Green, the SEC, our SEC preview at long last as we wrap up our conference preview series here. I think we should start with our own teams uh, first because I think everyone knows this is a podcast divided, a house divided. If we could put it on a license plate, we would on this very show just imagine us we're driving our honda odyssey each and every week on this program and you see it and you're like oh house divided the georgia tennessee uh house divided sign uh but maybe you should work on that for the graphics for this presentation mm -hmm. starts off as one of those like house divided license plate (laughs) fades to our faces i think i think that we might have something there I mean, speaking of, I mean, the good folks are going to see the new intro. Uh, we have new that matches the audio uh, sound and everything else. There's a lot of 
cool graphics and everything else in the works, but that will be up. Actually, they already saw it because when this video goes live, it will be in the, the beginning of this. So that will be cool. So uh, I think good folks will like that. But Matt Green, I'll pitch it to you first. The Georgia Bulldogs over under what this year is going to be. Where are you at with the dogs at 11 and a half? A very, very high number, but one that makes a lot of sense for the back-to-back national champions, the team that has not lost a regular season game in forever. Um, where are you at with uh, the dogs going into this uncharted waters where the preseason number one rarely wins the national title in the modern college football era. I think Graham Coffey pointed out there are only two who've done it. And it was Alabama and I think maybe I USC. USC, I yeah. believe. Yeah, the last time or the, those are the last two times. But yeah, it's a uh, strange world to be in. What if you combine the coaches and the the uh, AP, it's about 131st place or 130 voters or so and about 100. Mm-hmm. 21 of them voted uh, Georgia number one. So just the unanimous, just about number one in terms of as unanimous as it usually gets in the preseason. Um, crazy time to be alive uh, for Georgia football fans, for sure. Um, 11 and a half is obviously a really high number, but in two, they've had two consecutive undefeated regular seasons. And just looking at, like, I think you go back to 2021 and 2022, like most people didn't see Arkansas being a top 10 undefeated team when they would when they came into Athens. Most people didn't see Kentucky being a, a like a 7-0, 8-0 team, uh, top 10 coming into Athens. Most people didn't see Tennessee being the number one team in the country coming into Athens in 2022. So there's a chance some of these teams on the schedule overachieve and the schedule isn't quite as just cupcake filled as it looks right now that they're definitely missing that that Oklahoma game in Norman, uh, what would be week two of the season. But you just look at the schedule, and I just don't know how many teams on the schedule can really challenge Georgia. Like, I think mm. Tennessee at, in Knoxville is definitely the most dangerous uh, scenario. You look at the teams that have given Georgia trouble in the last few years. Like, you look at C.J. Stroud in Ohio State. You look at what Bryce Young did in 2021. Like, I, I mean, I guess you could count what Missouri and Kentucky did against Georgia last year, but those almost feel like hiccups. Like th- that wasn't Georgia playing at their best, right? It felt like Alabama and Ohio State truly got Georgia's best shot and and scored a lot of points on them uh, in, in big games the last two seasons. Joe Milton is really the only guy. I mean, I guess you can include Devin Leary as a guy who can be a, a potential first-round pick. But there's just a lot of, I mean, the weapons that that Alabama and Ohio State also had. Like, I mean, you know, Tennessee, we know Josh Heupel can get his guys into, into space, but Georgia fans feel a certain way about Tennessee because of what they've done to him the past couple of years, even though Tennessee's been scoring a whole bunch of points on everybody else. So I just, Ole Miss is the team that is probably the X factor. I feel like if someone's going to surprise Georgia and and be like a, a college game day at, in Athens or something. I feel like that's like the only game that could potentially be, you know, maybe Ole Miss gets off to a, a nine and one start or some, something like that. Like, I don't see that happening, but they're a team that's got a dynamic, you know, offense and, and run, run pass uh, abilities. So, you know, something like that could happen. And 
And I think that's the only really team I see challenging Georgia. You look at what they have returning. Like Georgia loses a lot every year. As good as Jordan Davis was, like I think Jordan Davis is the kind of guy that's like a very tough guy to replace. You don't you just, they just don't make six, seven, three, fifty guys like that. And so that was a guy that was going to be difficult to replace. But Jalen Carter is, I think, the best defensive lineman that's ever played at Georgia and maybe ever will play at Georgia. Like, I think this guy is just truly special. Like, you just don't see interior guys rush the passer like that. Like, those are those are the guys that are pro bowlers and, and all pros, the Hall of Famers. Like, not putting that on Jalen Carter, but he's got that type of ability. So you look at – Georgia's going to lose a lot every year. They lost 15 guys to the NFL and – from the 2021 team, uh, tied Alabama with 10 uh, last year. But Darnell Washington is the kind of guy that's like, that's a ridiculous individual that's like difficult to replace. And I look at Jalen Carter the same way. Like Broderick Jones, like Georgia just recruits the offensive line so well. Like they lose Andrew Thomas and they're fine. You know, they lose Broderick Jones and they'll probably be fine. But but those are the three guys that I look at. Like Keely Ringo's a really good player, but I trust Georgia can can create can probably match that production at the other corner spot like those are the three guys that I think are going to be the most difficult to replace because Georgia didn't necessarily have great pass rushers last year but to have such a disruptor in the interior of the defensive line like Jalen Carter like that's the thing it's going to have to be you know by committee that they're going to have to replace a guy like that but you know Michael Williams was a five-star, like top five player in the country. And he looked like an absolute stud as a true freshman. So it's like, that's going to be the kind of guy that that looks like a future superstar. Malachi Starks is a true freshman, look like a superstar. Like Smile Mondin and uh, Jamin Dumas Johnson, that's the best linebacker duo in the country for my money. Clemson's got a good one too. But like, I think that that's, it feels exactly like N'Kobe Dean and Quay Walker uh, from a couple years ago. Like they're just... I just think this Georgia defense, like last year was the rebuilding year. And as crazy as that is to sa- as it sounds, like I think the defense is just going to be, you know, maybe not back to 2021 level. That was an absurd, maybe historical defense. But I think this defense should be the best defense in the SEC and maybe the best defense in the country. The only thing that I think could derail it is if, if the quarterback play isn't, isn't what it needs to be. But I think with the weapons you have, Brock Bowers is still on this team. I haven't mentioned, I've been talking about Georgia for too long to not mention Brock Bowers, best player in college football for my money. So I think Carson Beck is, is going to, you know, Stetson, I think um, as good as he is. And I think some people, you know, yeah, you could replace a guy like that. What he did off schedule and scrambling and, and making something out of nothing. I think that's ultimately like going to be remembered as like Stetson's legacy is like just, that dual threat that could that could make something happen when something went wrong. Like, and I think if Carson Beck, he's got some mobility and maybe Georgia's offensive line and just things are just going to be so much better and so much more on schedule that maybe you don't need that 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 uh, quarterback that's getting out of things. But I think uh, if Carson Beck, and I think it's got to be Carson Beck. I don't see any way that like, obviously Vandergriff. I think from what they've said has gotten a lot of the. They're getting a lot of both, getting a lot of first team reps, but I think I think Beck is the guy, and I think I think George's offense shouldn't miss a beat. I mean, there's people that obviously want to talk about Mike Bobo replacing Todd Monken, and that's definitely a story. But man, Mike Bobo never had the kind of offensive line that he's got right now when he was previously at Georgia, and he never had the kind of defense um, that Georgia has right now. Like um, stealing something from the uh, dogs. 
uh, on three podcasts. I forget what it's called, but um, they said like the, and I mean, this is how I feel as a Georgia fan. Like the, what is the Mike Bobo moment you remember the most? Is there one that like stands out? Cause most people have like a, a specific one that stands out. Hmm. I'm just going to say it. It's the 2014 uh, South Carolina game at South Carolina when you had first mm. and goal or whatever, and you didn't give it to Todd Gurley, who was the best yeah. player in college football at the time. It was a uh, play action. It got whatever, and they called it intentional grounding on Hudson Mason, settled for a field goal, then missed like a 25-yard field goal. Georgia scored 35 points in that game that you're blaming on the offensive coordinator, right? 35 points in Williams-Brice Stadium against a, a really good South Carolina program at the time. So – it's um the fact like if if Mike Bo was scoring thirty five points, Georgia's winning every time for the for the most part with what they have on defense right now. So I just I don't think I don't make much of like the the Mike Bobo Todd Monken like storyline. I think Georgia's I mean I think Monken's like maybe the best Georgia's ever had, but I think uh, with what the what they have established, I don't I don't think they miss a beat offensively. It is interesting because both fan bases like Alabama and Ten- and um georgia are betting on the alabama system and the georgia system which is interesting to me like nobody else does this i don't, I don't hear this anybody else that just is like well they're they're running the system it's like what what does that even mean like you you have your just own system and you're hiring offensive coordinators to keep doing the same thing and it's like i don't i don't i don't necessarily believe that i'm sure there's a lot of crossover but it's still the guys pressing the right buttons at the right times because kirby's not doing that like it's not going to be kirby it's still going to be Mike Bobo in high pressure situations. Maybe that's Tennessee. Maybe it's Old Miss. Maybe it's Mizzou again. Maybe I, I don't know who it is. Maybe it's Florida. If Florida's uh, pesky, uh, maybe it's them. Point being, at Auburn, that's another possibility. We'll see what they look like at Auburn. I think the biggest thing to me with Georgia in 11 and a half, the thing about them is this is far more exciting and interesting than they've been in several years now i think that's the thing i'm looking forward to most with georgia like dominic lovett how does it work with him and lad mcconkey and like a deeper wide receiver room do they rotate does Ra thomas even make an impact um is there a drop off from not having darnell uh and what he did in the blocking game uh kendall milton still hurt and still missing a lot of time are they are we sure they're going to get something out of kendall milton i think when people talk about georgia and running the damn ball and stuff like that I'm curious what that looks like this year. Do they have a drop off because they have to just throw different guys at the problem and try and figure out. I think that might be a little overblown just because of where college football has gone is just even from the Todd Gurley days, it's just changed so much. Like Tennessee's going to run three backs. It's going to be Samson. It's going to be Jalen Wright. It's going to be Jawari Small. Um, they'll rotate. That's just how it is. I think Georgia will rotate and the days of just the, the guy getting 30 carries and you just rely on one guy uh to get you over the top i think those are mostly gone even if one two punch i think is mostly gone especially when you go to expanded college playoff format and all that you want to conserve your guys so i think you that might be a little bit overblown but jalen carter was a world breaker um jordan davis was a world breaker they have talent <laughs> they have five stars and blue chippers on the interior but it's not the same like based on everything i've seen there's not that just game wrecker on the in, in the interior that is going to immediately there's nothing you can do the guys that you're just like you're just kind of screwed no matter what you can throw whoever at the problem you're not going to fix it maybe there are some issues at corner uh they've been banged up a little bit there there's some new faces safety spots will be good linebackers you should never worry about georgia with linebackers and 
I think that's enough to be like, oh, and then throw in the fact that Stetson really settled in last year and had this supreme command of the offense, similar to Tennessee, where Hendon Hooker just knew exactly where everything needed to be, was just a machine. I think, it, look, there's some differences with uh, Carson Beck and Joe Mellon, but they're two guys ha- that have been in the system for a long time now that have learned how to play quarterback at Georgia and Tennessee for a long time now and have waited their oppor- for their opportunity both have a lot of pressure riding on them because I think you see a lot of Georgia fans that are like, well, they should be better. Like Carson Beck's bigger. He's a prototypical passer. He should actually put up better numbers than Stetson. He should be a better prospect than Stetson. So I'm curious to see how he handles that because Stetson was so good running what Monken ran that I think the expectations are kind of scary high if you're a Georgia fan with Carson because We've never seen it like this is all brand new and there's a lot of change and you don't have Monken and the running back room might be uh, might take a couple weeks to get sorted out. But when you have the offensive line and the blue chippers they do on defense, they'll figure it out. They'll win probably minimum 11 games in the regular season. But when it comes to the 11 and a half, Matt Green, I have to take the under because I don't it's just we're in mm. uncharted waters to get to 12 and 0 three straight years in the regular season. Like that's just until I see it. I can't do it. Now, I'm not saying they're going nine and three, seven and five, which Kirby Smart would prefer people say that he would. They're going seventy five, but right now Always I have to doubting hit, them. I'm saying eleven and one. I don't know who it is. I don't know if it's Tennessee. I wouldn't bet on Tennessee today, but we've seen them be gettable. The Missouri game was one, obviously. Maybe it's Auburn. That's the Missouri road game from for this year. Like Hugh Freeze, just out of the gate, just pull something out of the hat, and it's just it wakes Georgia up in a in a way where it's like whoa okay, we're not walking into 12-0 and 0 like we did uh, the last two years. I don't know. I think and it's I think all very good, interesting. And I think that's a good call. I think Auburn might be the most dangerous game on this whole schedule because it's in week five. Like, mm-hmm. I, I feel like whatever Georgia is and they've established by, by the 11th game against Tennessee, obviously Tennessee, I think, is going to be a better team than Auburn this year. But whatever they are, I just think Georgia's going to be just have their identity, have it figured out. The offense will be, you know, in midseason, late season form. Like I think Auburn is there's a there's a chance like this is Beck's first road start of his career. Like there's a chance this just, you know, maybe they maybe they block a punt or something and that crowd just gets going and then it's like, who knows, things can snowball in a in a rowdy atmosphere. So I think I think that's a good call with Auburn. September 30th. I think that's a that's a, a dangerous spot because Hugh Freeze, who knows with Hugh Freeze, the ultimate wild card. So what are you doing? Are you going over on Georgia or are you going under? I think um, I think I got to go a third straight undefeated regular mm. season. To be honest, I just I don't think I think uh, I don't see Tennessee being necessarily. I mean, I want to you know spoil my my prediction with Tennessee, but. I um I just, I just think they're this Georgia team. It's like they're going to be loaded again, man. Like, like I know N- Jim Harbaugh is talking about this Michigan team breaking Georgia's NFL draft record. It's like this Georgia team could break Georgia's NFL draft record. Like they're just they're going to put so many dudes in the league. But I, I think you made a good point. Like as far as the running back position goes, I think Branson Robinson has missed some time uh, this off season. So like Kendall Milton has obviously had his share of injuries through through three years. So they're going to have to get in They're They're going to have to have a committee, you know, and, and that's lots of times what we've seen out of Georgia, probably these last, you know, couple years that it's, it's just a, 
a few different guys carrying the ball and the, and the running game is good enough. It's not running back you like transcendent, unstoppable running game, but it's been good enough though. Basically since DeAndre Swift left and, you know, but, and with the, with the improved passing game, I think that makes it even less, uh, even less of a, of a priority, if you will. There you go. Um, Matt Green, should we go to Tennessee next? Yeah, let's do it, man. Right, old rocky you, top have you heard about this have you seen this tennessee volunteers um do you want me to go first or would you like to give me hey your... lead us off man nine and a half um here's the thing and i was texting some tennessee buddies about this this week um and the common sentiment around uh balls twitter and just vol fans anyone you talk to is 10 and 2 9 and 3 most would love 10 and 2 and they take it to the bank it's what they went in the last year in the regular season 11 and 2 total. Very clean. It's a very, very clean year if they go 10 and 2 or 9 and 3 and win the ball game. That's just kind of repetition, right? Like if they do that, then they kind of picked up where they left off. Milton just picked up where hype or where Hooker left off, and he's good most weeks, and he had a stinker, maybe that one or two max, and that was it. And he was efficient and great and a lot of fun everywhere else. Here's where I don't see here's why i should say i don't see that happening i think one of two things happens to tennessee this year and i've been sitting on this all summer matt green there's a reason that joe milton finished number one in espn's uh biggest college football playoff like wild card from bill Connolly. just the the ultimate wild card mercurial figure uh here in knoxville tennessee you read the quotes from coaches in that ESPN piece this week about like all the different SEC or uh, coaches, what they think of all the new quarterbacks and everything else. It was like one SEC defensive uh, coordinator saw him. He was like, I hope we're not playing this guy. Like we saw him warm it up and we're like, I hope we don't see him. And then I listened to Will West, sports radio host here in uh, Knoxville on Sports Source last week. Something he said stood out to me that I had jotted down where he said uh, when he, when Hypel first got to Tennessee, the reason that, uh hooker did not start right away and that they went with joe milton was because like they just thought joe milton's just raw talent could get them to nine three like hooker had a better mastery of the game of the playbook and everything else but like the upside of joe immediately was like oh no if he if joe is even close to what he is capable of then we're walking in nine three and when you have that kind of issue with scholarships and talent and everything else like you just you try it out and it didn't work out got injured lost his job and Hooker took over, took it and ran with it. All that's done. All that being said, the idea that this Joe Milton season goes just as smoothly and efficiently as what Hendon Hooker has done over the last year and a half here in Knoxville, I don't see that. There are two ways this season goes. If Joe Milton is healthy, if Joe Milton is not, if Joe Milton makes quick decisions in the pocket, or if Joe Milton does not. One of the things I see people who are not familiar with Tennessee football, they ask about, they're like, oh, it's his accuracy. Like he's got a deep ball, but what about the accuracy? No one's worried about Joe Milton and his accuracy. He threw 10 touchdowns, no picks. He's not, nobody throws picks in the Hypel offense. Hypel doesn't do it. Go back through year <laughs> over year. He just doesn't do it. Like you won't play. Like it's just go back through all of his quarterbacks. They don't throw picks. I'm not worried about his accuracy. You shouldn't be either. What happens is if he has five, three and outs like he did in the orange ball, if he's a statue in the pocket, like he was in the orange ball where he takes bad sacks and you're looking at third and long and the defense has to be back out in the field because of the tempo and Joe 
does not keep the offense humming? Does he respond the way Hinden Hooker did after the fumble in the Alabama game where most quarterbacks probably would have wilted like on that failed RPO where Dallas Turner picks it up and runs in the end zone to put Alabama up late in the fourth. A lot of quarterbacks crumble in that situation. We've seen a lot of quarterbacks go uh, just look, that was our moment. We blew it. That was so dumb. And then they're in their own head and they just can't bounce back. Hidden hooker. Just, Stetson vibes. But that's what I'm saying. Like not everybody's built like that. Most quarterbacks aren't. And Hinden hooker was like, fine and it just erased it and moved on was like nope i'm just gonna go score in the next position and he did i don't know if milton's built for I'm that i'm just gonna throw another touchdown to jalen hyatt yeah like that's what like he just he was a machine like uh, that was the best way to describe Hendon hooker was he was a machine who just wiped his brain after every possession every touchdown was like all right when am i gonna go do the next one i don't know if milton's built like that i don't know if milton's durable to make it through 12 games we haven't seen that to this point if he takes those sacks, the offensive line is going to be worse this year. Darnell Wright is gone. The thing that helps Tennessee is this scheme really lends itself to average to below average line play. Because if you have a tempo and the defense is all like, you can kind of live with it. If you're just doing the Vanderbilt offense with the offensive line Tennessee had, they're in trouble. Like Milton and everything else would be a problem. I don't see it being a problem. They're going to run the ball better. Jalen Wright, I think, is going to have a gigantic year and actually be maybe the best running back in the SEC East uh, this year. It wouldn't surprise me if he is just an absolute monster. Brew McCoy, Squirrel White, Dante Thornton, who has a lot of Jameson Williams vibes. If he can stay on the field too, he's a big what if, if he stays in the field. All that being said, Matt Graham, I say this to say, Tennessee's either going 11-1 and and making the playoff this year, or they're going 7-5, and 8-4. and I don't mm. think there's a middle ground here. The Joe Milton experience either is he's going top five in the NFL draft. And this is one of those electric, just bomb, like all time, great college football stories guy who's benched twice makes it all work in his final college football season, stays healthy and just has the season of a lifetime or he gets injured or he gets shook in the swamp early loses that game. And then the, the just the bottom falls out and we see Nico by south carolina or something and then this season's just more of a growing pains type year and you just get to a bowl game and you live to fight another day next year with the super talented blue chip roster those are the two choices those are the two avenues so when people are picking everywhere 10 and 3 9 and 2 they're thinking Hinden hooker they're thinking what we've seen the last two years the machine the efficiency just the high floor i think this is more of a banger bust type year that Maybe the last one we'll see over the next uh, during the hypo tenure here, but I think this is the last topsy turvy year for me uh, here in Knoxville, and I I go back and forth on it. I've gone back and forth on it all summer, but that's what I've landed on is I I would be floored if they go nine and three and ten and two and it's that clean. Either they have the all time great season and they make it eleven and one and Joe's a Heisman finalist, or they have a season from hell and they're looking at seven and five eight and four um that's what i what What do you make of that see i don't necessarily think it has to be just all or nothing i think um you look at this i mean this schedule is not easy but i, I think um to to start to go back to what you're saying about hendon hooker i do think that's kind of the most like overlooked aspect of all of this like yeah maybe hypel's system is just so great that it doesn't matter who you plug into this you're gonna get elite production but like 
you're kind of dismissing everything Hendon Hooker did at that point then, like in, and how good he was for Tennessee because, and, and you, you uh, referenced it. Like is Joe Milton a statue? Like not only did Hendon, like we're talking sets and Bennett doing those, making those plays off schedule. Hendon Hooker was, it's a lot of design runs for Hendon mm-hmm. Hooker. Like that's a big part of the offense. A guy who had what, like 400, 500 yards rushing last year. So yeah. That that kind of changes that dynamic of of what the quarterback brings to the table. He's obviously got this big arm and everything, and that and that's cool. But oh man, I just get such Anthony Richardson vibes, dude. Like it's it feels like we're doing the same thing again. Like a guy who's just completely unproven. We're like, check out these tools, man. Like this is this is incredible. It's like yeah, it's it's cool. He can throw the ball a hundred yards apparently. Like, but it's. It's playing quarterback is so much more than that. Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, these guys didn't have cannons. Like they had, they were, they were at fine, they had fine arm strength, right? But it's about accuracy. It's about so many things. And, and obviously, Hypel system is a very quarterback friendly offense. I, I don't, I don't doubt that this offense will be good. I don't think necessarily Joe Milton is, is a Heisman finalist or he's getting benched by week six. You know, I think, I think there's just, you look at this schedule and, like we we're talking with Georgia going at Auburn, that's going to be Carson Beck's first, uh, his second SEC start, but first road start of his career. Joe Milton's first SEC start period of his, well, I guess, of his new tenure. I guess he has started an SEC game before. I know he at least started versus Pittsburgh. He he may not have started an SEC game uh, back in 2021. He, I mean, he, in, well, he started against Vanderbilt last year. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. So he still hasn't started versus an SEC team. Um <laughs> Uh, so he's got at Florida week three, and it's just mm. like Florida's schedule is brutal, but nobody nobody goes winless, right, when they have all these big games. Like, you beat somebody. And obviously Tennessee hasn't won in Gainesville since 2003. Been what Both schools had like five five coaches or something since then. It's not really relevant, but it is, it is still a fact, and it hasn't happened. So going at Flo- on the road at Florida is just – a really tough first test of the season. You could argue it's it's a manageable one because Florida isn't a juggernaut right now where they're preseason projected to maybe miss a bowl game by a lot of people. So it might be the perfect kind of ease yourself into a hostile environment versus maybe not the best team, not a team that's a championship ready by any means. But Texas A&M you have from the West and you have at Alabama, like I think that – does anybody play Alabama and LSU this year? Like, I think that's probably the toughest two games anyone from the East has uh, versus the West this season. And then obviously, uh, preseason. I don't know who it is. Someone does have Alabama and LSU. I don't remember. Is it Arkansas? Who is it? A&M maybe? Well, uh, obviously a bunch of West teams. I'm saying from the SEC East. Oh, that's um, what I meant. Uh, maybe that is their crossover. Hmm. That's a good question. I thought it was somebody um, in the East did too. But, but yeah, we not. can look at that. But yeah, just with with Alabama and A and M from the West, maybe that Florida game being tricky, and obviously like Tennessee scored a bunch of points on Kentucky and Missouri the last couple of years, and and obviously South Carolina uh, beat them a year ago, and that's going to be a huge game. But I think with just Georgia, excuse me, Alabama um, and A and M, I don't think they win. I, I probably wouldn't say they win any of those games. But like I said. Everyone wins one, so who knows which one which one of those they're they're able to get. 
But yeah, this feels like a nine and like eight and four worst case scenario to me because because it is Heupel's offense. So like maybe Joe Milton isn't the guy and Nico comes in and because you look at that that for like you can get some you can get some wins in there uh but while you figure out the offense. So I um I tend to to think it they're still gonna be probably the second best team in the SEC. I, I lean towards probably a nine and three, but I wouldn't be surprised by eight and four. I'd say I'd be surprised by a seven and five. And I'd definitely be surprised by by a eleven and one, ten and two. So what are you going with? Are you hitting the over? I'm hitting the under on Tennessee. I feel like if I had to guess, like put a gun to my head, it's either an eight or nine win team. And they were they were nine and a half, right? Mm-hmm. So what did you what did you say? Have you said yet? Did I miss it? I haven't. It? Nine and a half. Put it on the board. I'm going eleven and one. I think they Ah, there it is. I think they go eleven and one, Matt Green. Who's the one? I think it's Georgia. That's it. So in that so you're oh man, I don't want to spoil next week's show. You're gonna you're gonna say eleven and one making the playoff or something like this? Yes, I am. Oh wow. Wow. Joe this, Milton. Is Joe Wilton win the Heisman? No. I thought that's what you're saying. It's like if, if they're boom or bust, it's either Joe Milton is a first round pick, whatever. Or is it Anthony Richardson first well, round? Well, the thing about pick. Anthony Richardson, just... too, was like Anthony Richardson in Heupel's offense last year would have been stupid. Like with the raw talent that he had. If Like that was the one thing when people compare the two. I'm I like, mean, this guy's not accurate. Who? Anthony Richardson. Well, no, what I'm saying is like I don't know what he would have looked like in Heupel's scheme or if he had sent he'd sat in Heupel's room for three years. Like it was a yeah. convoluted mess for Anthony Richardson down the stretch. And that offense last year was a mess. So I don't know. The thing with an- the Anthony Richardson comps, I'm like, here's the difference. Heupel, like, there's a different track record with Heupel and what that offensive room looked like for Anthony Richardson last year. Like it's not gonna look like that. Anyone who's expecting Milton to look like Anthony Richardson last year, just you're going to well, be he's disappointed. Not, he's obviously not the athlete Anthony Richardson is, so it's going to be completely different yeah. style. But, but in I mean, terms just, of just the like, efficiency, like they're not going to struggle to move the ball. Like I, like they're going to put up points. They are not going to be number one. I would be surprised if they're number one in scoring again. I think they'll be somewhere in the top five, uh, but I don't think they'll be number one. But I do think eleven and one. I'm going to go that way. I'm going to go positive. Eleven and one, just with a loss to Georgia. Maybe a loss to Bama. They split that one and that's it. Get Bama two years in a row? Oh man. That's uh mm. that's bold. I just if this Bama team can score enough, we'll see. We'll see if Bama can score enough uh to beat Tennessee this go around with Tommy Reese. Uh speaking of Bama, let's move to the Crimson Tide here, Matt Green. They're over under 10 and a half, the second highest in the SEC. What say you about the controversial Clemson Tide? Where is that Jalen Milrose music? Is he starting? Is it now Jalen's show? What is happening in this QB room and this QB competition? I have no idea what to do with Alabama. Jalen Milrose sounds like the guy um, at Alabama. And I just, that's, that's alarming to me. I think, um, this the most overrated storyline I think of this off season. For one, is Nick Saban smiling at press conferences? Oh, he thank he you for how, saying that. He Why knows how good his that? team is because he's smiling at press conferences. Okay, cool. We have no idea what was said. Who's who knows what what happened? Or he's just but, getting old and he's not taking it seriously anymore. 
Like maybe that's just it. It's not as miserable as he once yeah. was. Um, so that, that for one, but this idea that, oh, they don't have the wide receivers and the elite quarterback play. Oh, they're just going to go back to being what the AJ McCarron era, like we're just going to pound the rock and, and play elite defense and, and win games 13 to 10. It's like, if they could be holding opponents to 10 points right now, they would be doing it. Like mm. the, the most critical part of playing that style is you have an elite defense and they haven't had that. Like Kevin Steele has been a really good defensive coordinator in, in his time in, in college football, but he's a first year defensive coordinator. Like he's, he's going into a room with just about as much talent as most teams in, in the country but Alabama hasn't been like the this elite of elite uh, team defensively. Like I think best case scenario is 2017. Like Jalen Milrow is pulling a 2017 Jalen Hurts, and he's he throws like 15 touchdowns, one or two interceptions, and has like seven eight hundred yards rushing. I mean, with how Milrow plays, he'd probably have like a thousand yards rushing. This guy looks like an absolute beast, but. I, I mean, there's a chance the offense, like, you have to do that by necessity, and they and you're Alabama, and you can win a lot of games that way because you have better players than a lot of teams you're playing. But I think when they're playing the best teams, like, Nick Saban himself has said it's like an outdated style of play of just playing defense and trying to hold the other team's offense. Like, you have to outscore teams. So I just – I question their ability. If Jalen Milrow is truly the guy and they – went to get oh man i'm blanking on buckner they went to get buckner Buckner in the um after the spring it's just like say what you want that's a red flag like you're not going to get another quarterback after spring practice if you're solid with your quarterback situation so i think the fact that um ty simpson hasn't run away with it like it's not an indictment on ty Ty simpson what is he a redshirt freshman is he a redshirt sophomore Uh, Um, redshirt freshman so, I mean, this guy could get better, but I think a lot of people wanted him to be the guy, the five-star, just inherent, the team, big arm, whatever, uh, prototype quarterback coming out. I think a lot of people wanted it to be him. So the fact that you're still hearing a lot about Milrow, I think, I don't think is a good sign for for uh, Ty Simpson. No, I think no matter what, this feels like it's bad for Ty Simpson. And clearly that if it is going Milrow Buckner, then they want a mobile guy. Like clearly there's a the part of it with Tommy Reese and his history with Buckner gives him a leg up. But also to me, now it feels like they want to run the football and they want to take the ball. It's like they're going the antithesis of what they did last year with Bryce Young. Or the last two years, where everything revolved around Bryce being Bryce, and that was the best core I I mean, we could argue about this, but I would still rather have last year's Bryce Young than last year's Caleb Williams. And I would still take Bryce Young uh, for any given Saturday over Caleb Williams. Um, just with what I mean, I would say so. I think Bryce Young is the best player in college football. Just didn't yeah. have the best season. Yeah, uh, I agree. And look, he's not walking through that door. Saban wants to run the ball. And we'll see what that looks like. The Smash Mouth, Smash Mouth, Murder Ball, all that. That's great. That's something you say in the offseason because people can't really call you on it yet. Like, that sounds great. Okay, cool. Like, whatever that means in 2023, here's what we know, is that they are going to face some high-powered offenses. What we know is, I think, or I shouldn't say that. What we know is Tommy Reese is not a better offensive mind than Bill O'Brien. He's not better than Mike Loxley. He's not better than Lane Kiffin. He's not better than Steve Sarkeesian. That is a downgrade. He was not the first choice here. This was not some slam dunk. We got our guy. We brought him in from South Bend. 
anyone who's watched this t- the Notre Dame teams of the last couple of years were not like, oof, if Alabama gets their hands on this rising star in the industry, look out for the Crimson Tide. They're going to run the ball. Jaden Miller, we'll see what it looks like when they have to rear back, what they have to do when they are uh, like they're down 17 to 7 against Tennessee with an offense that is going to put up point after point after point. Are you still going to play that style? Is that style sustainable against the big dogs? Or if you fall behind against an LSU team, who's going to be very good again with a high-powered offense themselves, Auburn is going to have a high-powered offense. They're, they should be fun. I don't buy this stuff, that they are going all that way, that everything's settled, that everything's good, Nick Saban smiling. We're all, like, there are people picking the Alabama Crimson Tide to win the national title because of all of this, because of the vibes of this offseason and that the revenge stuff and everything else. I don't think any of that's coming Where was to fruition. the revenge last year? That's what I'm saying. <laughs> I I think LSU's better. I think you could easily see AM being better. Georgia's obviously better. Tennessee, I think. Could, pff, we'll see what that line looks like. They're, I think it's like eight or nine right now in favor of the Crimson Tide on the road, but we'll see what that looks like as the season goes on. But like, there's a case of the fourth or fifth best team in the SEC this year. And that wouldn't really surprise me. I think the days of them having the stranglehold on this conference are behind us. And look, this uh, this last class of people like to throw out, best class ever, that's not really going to make the impact you think it is this year. That's something you see next year and the year after next. That's not something you'll see pay dividends right now. I don't see the guy, the playmakers out wide. I don't see the playmakers to do enough to be an elite team that wins multiple playoff games that is able to build this offensive juggernaut with Jalen Miller where we have not seen it downfield with the playmakers who were just not the same guys that Alabama's had, kind of like Clemson the last couple of years, missing the Rodgers and Rosses and Higgins and company on the outside, what that looks like and how tough it can be when you don't have those guys out wide for these star quarterbacks. I'm betting the under. I think they are a 10 and 2, 9 and 3 team. I don't I don't see Alabama getting back and being one of the two best teams in college football this year and being the favorite to win a national title. I, d- I don't see it with the tide. I think they're going to be obviously very good. They have a 90% or something blue chip ratio this year, which yeah. is a, a record. Like they're going to have talent. I just don't think they're going to maximize it. I don't think this offense is going to be elite. I think it's going to be kind of ugly and Alabama fans are going to get really frustrated because I think there's a case we see all three quarterbacks in different stages because they struggle at different times or guys get banged up. I'm not a believer in the Crimson Tide this year to the extent that like I think they can win the college football playoff. So I am going to say nine and three, ten and two, ten and two being their maybe max here for me. So I'm hitting mm. the under on the tide. I think um I think you made some excellent points. And don't get it twisted. They were they had the ninth ranked scoring defense in the country last mm-hmm. year, but we've grown up, we've lived in this world where they're just the best at everything, like every year. So when they're just a good unit it's it's alarming it's 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 noteworthy and Bryce Young was just like you said he's that's he's just special like Bryce Young I think is the best player who's maybe ever played at Alabama to be honest like I think he's he's just he was a baller and he just made that team look a lot better than they were last year and I think I think you could argue last year was Nick Saban's worst team since 2010 like Hmm. Like the Tua year, uh, Tua's junior year, they lost two games, but Tua also got hurt, and it was Mac Jones starting uh, against Auburn down the stretch. So, like, I feel like that team, we know how loaded that 2019 Alabama team was. It's just 
they lost to a great LSU team, and then, you know, their starting quarterback got hurt. Like, this team was truly flawed and played a lot of teams close, lost a couple of games. Because I, I love how people love to say, the, oh, the dynasty's over. They they lost one game by three and another game by one. Yeah, they those two teams that lost, they lost by three and by one, got the doors blown off them by the national champion last year. So it's not like you're just one point and four point, three points away from a national championship. You're those teams weren't the best teams in college football. And usually that's all they lose to is, oh, that the team that beat Bama last year, they were the best team in college football. So mm-hmm. I think you're just, they're, they're not at the same level. We've never seen Nick Saban, since he got to Alabama, we've never seen them go three straight years without winning a national championship. And I think 2023 is going to be the year. I, I think they're just, they're not that team this year. I think they're going to be really good because their talent is going to just like, like I'm, I'm people are probably gonna make me eat my words because they're gonna run the ball all over a lot of teams. But when it matters the most, like you, we've talked about with teams like Georgia through the years that had a run first team, when it matters most, can that quarterback make the plays? And I'm not sure Alabama has that guy. So I think they're good. I feel like it's a, still a ten and two season. But you know, where do those losses come? Is it in in conference or is it the Longhorns coming into Tuscaloosa week two? Like. You talk about needing to get into a shootout, like that might be the best offense in college football this year. Like they're absolutely loaded. So I don't I don't really see and, and they have a pretty good defense too. So I don't see how they can match the firepower of someone like Texas and then maybe even someone like LSU who's just potentially playing that style of game managing dual threat quarterback and physical style and good defense like lsu could just do that style better than alabama potentially this year so i think um i see a 10 and 2 season for alabama so i'm gonna go i'm gonna go under so we agree on that one all right matt green let's go to the auburn tigers maybe the most mercurial and difficult team to forecast here um i think uh among all the teams Seven and a half for the Tigers. Pretty high, pretty optimistic by the by Vegas and Hugh Freeze's first year. What say you? Do you think they hit the over and that they get to eight and four, nine and three territory like uh, uh, maybe some might anticipate? Or are you going under? I like Hugh Freeze a lot. I think he's the perfect guy for Auburn for whatever reason. They just didn't have the the guts to pull the trigger in 2020 like they wanted to. But he was the guy all along. Um, or 2021, what was Harson's first year? Um, the schedule isn't tough as far as out of conference goes. Like they've had just some big time out of conference games uh, the last several years. They go at Cal. I think that's a I think that's a manageable game. But then you have a, a couple more cupcakes. They should get the four wins out of conference. Um, but this conference schedule is brutal. Like you, they got Vandy from the East, but they also obviously get Georgia. They do get Georgia at home. But eight wins, it's just hard for me to find eight wins on this schedule. Like I think Auburn mm. is going to be one of those teams that's like maybe they they do something like blow out LSU or something, and then the next week get get blown out by by Arkansas or something like that. Like I just they they seem like the kind of team we're not going to get a read on. Like they were they were thirteenth in the SEC in, in scoring defense last year. So I mean, this defense has to get much improved. Like I trust that Hugh Freeze like as much as I can, like this quarterback situation, like Peyton Thorne 
is transferring in like starting experience and it's like is he third string on the depth chart right now like i'm not really sure peyton thorne's even gonna play so if it's um robbie ashford again like he's an athlete but you know and we have you know he's a young guy he could still improve we haven't seen the best of robbie ashford but i think if if Robbie Ashford is the guy, you kind of you got to think there's a, a ceiling on on how good this offense can really be. I think seven and five feels right, and I think that's the hope if you're Auburn. Eight and four, I think, is the icing on the cake. Nine and three is just I don't think un- is pretty unrealistic. But I think eight and four is massive. Yeah. I also think the best thing if you're an Auburn fan about this year is the offense is going to be a whole heck of a lot more fun than what you've seen the last two years with Harson. But I think what you'll see that I think Auburn missed and what you'll see evidently true immediately, because this is a team that is in the blue chip ratio this year and brought in some intriguing uh, transfers, especially in the wide receiver room tackle. They bring in the Tulsa tackle because Philip Montgomery is call or is the offensive coordinator. I don't know who's calling plays um, at Auburn. I don't think it really matters. They'll be fine either way, but they are going to be a lot more fun. They're going to put up a lot more points. But I think more than anything, what you're going to see, like they were a top 20 rushing offense last year and there was not a lot of positives to pull from Auburn. I think they're going to be a top 10 running the football team again this year. And I think it's important. uh, Their big time back is back uh, and Jarquez Hunter, um, who missed a lot of time for reasons. Um, And if he's there all year, I think he is primed for a big, big year on the ground for Auburn. I'm never going to bet against Auburn running backs. Uh, on the planes uh, with uh, Cadillac Williams and company. But I look at this, Peyton Thorne's an upgrade. Like whatever you think about Peyton Thorne, I think he is a good one-year stopgap for what you're building and building up that QB room. Schedule's tough, but I think the biggest thing if you're an Auburn fan, you want to be competitive against Georgia again. You Not that you have to beat Georgia. Can you show that like it's, this used to be a thing or a back and forth where like Auburn and Georgia were playing for college football playoff opportunities um that is where you want to get kind of like tennessee but i think they're in a better a much better spot to bounce back quicker than tennessee and i mean they have they're hot in the campaign on the campaign trail on the recruiting trail right now auburn i think is going to surprise a lot of people and i think they're going to be right there in it with alabama i think they're going to be right there in it with lsu i think they're going to be they are going to hit people in the mouth early i like the staff a lot i like this talent I'm curious how like the Tulsa left tackle works. They bring in some group of five guys, Jackson State, Tulsa, different guys like that. I'm curious how they translate in the SEC. But I think the floor is sneaky high here. So I'm going to hit the over and mm. I'm just going to go optimistic. I'm going to say they get to eight and four this year. I think Q Freeze surprises enough and they catch enough people by surprise that Auburn is right back in there in that eight and four mix. And then we're maybe a year or two away from them challenging for the sec altogether and before i get roasted in the comments or anything i'm aware auburn plays at lsu this year and they haven't won at lsu since like 99 so just mm. throwing a team out there not saying they're going to blow they get bam at home though they do so they got they're at AM at lsu they get georgia and bama at home those are going to be like they're, i don't know if they win either probably not but like that place is going to be rocking and i think both games are going to be fun that's why odd number of years is when they have to do yeah. their damage when they get both a Georgia and Bama at home. Um, Arkansas, seven and a half, Matt Green. We might be disagreeing here. I am just going to go ahead and tell you. I think I'm I, not even think I'm going under. The KJ Jefferson, best quarterback in the SEC stuff has got to end. 
No one actually believed this. I refuse to believe KJ's good, but no one's taking KJ first in a SEC quarterback draft today. Like, if your first pick is not Jalen Daniels, I, I don't know what you're doing, but you need to start Ooh. over the list. Like, if not you're not so taking... fast, my friend. Who are you taking first? I'm not taking... I'm not taking Jaden Daniels ahead of KJ Jefferson. I think KJ Jefferson is the Ooh. best quarterback in the SEC right now. I don't know that he'll have the best season because there's a lot of things that go into it, sporting cast, all of that. And I don't think Arkansas is the best offense in the SEC. But KJ Jefferson's a stud. I think you could put him in anybody's offense. And I think a lot of teams would trade their starting quarterback for KJ Jefferson. Uh, that's you a put different him in question. Tennessee's offense. I think Tennessee's doing. I, think there's, I don't know if he actually works in Tennessee. Higher. I don't know if he works in Tennessee's offense. I don't know if he has the R. I don't know. We haven't seen him in that kind of path. I, I don't know. That's a good question. He I would mean, get banged up. He, he would do a lot year. of design runs. I don't know. 24 touchdowns, five picks. Like I like KJ. Over 600 yards on the ground, nine rushing touchdowns. Like The dude, he's like a... Like a little Diet Tebow kind of like get that power running game like All he's right. uh he's quality. Here's the problem for Arkansas: from September 23rd to um basically November 11th, they're getting their ass kicked, and I don't mean they're losing every game, but this is one of the more brutal stretches you'll see. At LSU, A and M at the neutral site in Jerry World, at Ole Miss, at Alabama. Mississippi State at home, at Florida, and then Auburn at home. That is one of the more brutal stretches you'll see um, any SEC team have to take. That's the main crux of why I have them going under. I think they have the cakewalk at the beginning to get those early three wins. I think they should beat Missouri at home for four FIU. So I think they'll get two more of that group I just listed, but I don't think they get anything more. I think this is a 7-5 and five team, and I would be pretty floored. Um, if they go over that, I think six and six, seven and five is where they're, where they're at. You're just hoping for a bowl. Cause that's one of the more brutal stretches for any team in the sec. I think this is a awful schedule for the Razorbacks. Yeah, I I'm with you. I think that those, all those road games just stacked on top of each other. You got a at home or I guess neutral sided, but yeah, you don't play a home game. You you play a home game on September sixteenth, and then the next home game is on October twenty first. Like, that's uh that's brutal. Going, like you said, at LSU, at Ole Miss, at Bama, at Florida. Man, that's... it's hard. It's hard to see them winning. You know, more than one of those games. So, Dan Enos now taking over for Kendall Bryles, or for yeah, for Kendall Bryles. I just. I don't know if that's an upgrade. And Travis Williams, because I mean, the the defense is where what is all that matters. Like the offense yeah. is going to be fine. Like KJ Jefferson, Raheem Sanders is the best running back in the SEC. Like this offense is gonna is gonna make some plays. It's the defense was the 101st ranked scoring defense in the country last year. Like yeah. new OC, new DC. Like the D and Travis Williams, you know he's. He was on some of those good Auburn uh, – he was a coach on some of those good Auburn defenses with, like, the Derrick Browns and and mid-20-teens mid uh, era, or I guess that's late-20-teens, right? Um, but Travis Williams, I mean, he's not, not a whole bunch of experience, a couple years at UCF, but I think um, that's that's really going to decide how good Arkansas is. Like, if, if the defense is, is average in the SEC – like this could be an eight and four, nine and three team or something. But 
if they're in the bottom half near the bottom like they were last year i think this team looks more like six and six seven and five and i think yeah i'm with you i think seven and five seems like with the schedule like honestly not a bad season if they can get seven and five out of this so yeah i'm gonna go it's, it's seven and a half we had right mm-hmm. uh, yeah i'm gonna go under you you went under on that as well yeah that's i'm blocking that one in lock that one in there speaking lock of locking in. in the under Mississippi State at six and a half, Matt Green. Uh, this is going to be the worst team in the SEC this year. I'm just going to go ahead and say it. This is um, great uniforms. Every reveal is just fantastic. Rooting for SE, for Miss, Miss State. I don't want this to be the case. Feels I like 98. Tra- I just, the transfer from the App State offensive coordinator coming in there to switch things up a little bit. They're going to be uh, obviously not uh, under center and stuff a bunch. I think he said like 90. I think he was actually quoted. Uh, last week or this week about uh, being in the gun 90% of the time. Um, so that's a little overblown with Will Rogers and company. But that was an offense that was catered to somebody like Will Rogers. And the quick decisions, pass, 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 short stuff, short stuff. Now they're going to run the ball a lot more. They're going to rely on their defense a whole lot more, the defensive-minded coach. I don't like this schedule at all for Mississippi State. I don't know if you've taken a gander at it. When I was doing my deep dives here, there's not a worse schedule in the SEC than the Mississippi State. And it's because of the out-of-conference. It's because of what Mississippi State drew. I think this is going to be one of the rough... conference Yes. You're going to have to... You're going to have to elaborate. I'm not seeing any... Uh, that, that big of a gauntlet at a conference. What am I missing? I'm saying Arizona, Matt Green. Southern Miss at home, Matt Green. Southeast Louisiana is a good FCS program. That is a playoff SCS These teams pro- are going to beat Mississippi State? I'm not saying that. I think Arizona is absolutely going to have a real chance to beat Mississippi State. I'm not predicting it yet. We still got a couple weeks for that. I think that's going to be on the table. Then you got LSU at home. At South Carolina. Bama at home. They never beat Bama. Western Michigan, that's good. You get that in the middle to break things up a little bit. At Arkansas, at Auburn, at AM, the Egg Bowl, you at least get at home. Kentucky at home, that's usually good because for whatever reason, I think the home team wins that rivalry game all the time uh, between Kentucky and Mississippi State. This just feels like four and eight to me. Um, this feels like four and eight, three and nine. Uh, I think four and eight is probably the best case scenario for this state team. Hate to say it. I don't think this is going to work long term with Arnett. You had to go this route. I'm pulling for him. I'm pulling for the dogs over there in Starkville. I just, my gut says this does not go well and that they are um, going to have to really change gears here again uh, in a couple of years. But I, I just, I don't like anything to do with uh, the schedule and where they're at. Um, lost some, uh, the Ra Ra Thomas uh, factor in the portal to Georgia. I just, I'm not a believer. I think the offense takes a step back. I think we'll see what happens with Arnett and the Stevens. I think they'll be tough. They'll be physical. I just, I don't think they're going to be very good, Matt Green. That's just, that's my gut. I think it's a rough year for the dogs. Do you agree? Yeah, I think I'm with you there. I think um, Mike Leach, uh, rest in peace. I feel like he was Mississippi State football, basically. Like he was this program and he's such a, I don't know. I feel like just like all consuming. I feel like he's just is that offense, right? What does he have like five plays or something just on a little, on a little notepad, like a little uh, note card or something. And he just knows the offense like 
the back of his hand. And I just think the offense was working for Mississippi State, right? So you you kind of like you top said, ten offensive had, by the way, passing top ten in the country last year, fortieth yes. in defense. So you kind of had to because of the circumstances. Let's just promote from within. Like we're not trying to get into a whole coaching search thing right now. So for this guy to come in and be like, what we did really well, we're we're gonna change it. Yeah, that just seems like a very slippery slope to me. And maybe Zach Arnett is is you know just throwing out throwing stuff out there, throwing people off the scent. But this team has been an air raid team, and if you're gonna try to go ground and pound, it feels like like a Paul Johnson thing. Bring up Georgia mm-hmm. Tech for the second time in the show, like they fell off a cliff because like. Paul Johnson was that program and he had such a specific style. A guy came in and tried to completely change it. And it was what three straight three win seasons. Like just, it was just, and then, you know, they're not going to be as bad, but I mean, comparatively in the sec, that's what four and eight, five and seven is basically. I think they, they feel like they're going to be the worst team in the sec West this year. I just, if it's I not don't, broke, don't fix it. Like you had Steve Spurrier Jr. who was the run pass or the pass coordinator um, last year and has been there for a couple of years with them. Like just keep the staff and promote from within. Keep running the air raid. Like I would have just kept going and kept that going and you promote from within and you see if you can get more with Zach Arnett running things and the defense gets better. Maybe one year you have a top 10 offense and a top 15, top 20 defense. Like, and then who knows what happens. But I think what they've set themselves up kind of what to what you're saying, like programs like Mississippi State, I think they run into problems when they don't, when they run away from the thing that really worked in this modern game of football to make up for the talent difference. And Mike Leach was so good everywhere he went, Washington State, Texas Tech, Mississippi State, in making up for the talent gap with his scheme and with what he was able to do. He maximized his personnel. And I just don't think that's going to happen um, with what's coming down the pike here for Mississippi State football. And it kind of reminds me of Vanderbilt, where they're going to try and play this professional Notre Dame style, physical, tough, ground and pound. And it's just, I don't think you're going to have the hogs to do that. I think you have to play yeah. a certain unique way. And I just, I don't think it's going to go well. Well, and I mean, it could be like we talked about with, with Georgia and Todd Monken and uh, with Wisconsin and and their new air raid they're bringing in. It's like, if you kind of stay true to what you do best, and then you know this new wrinkle you throw in, and you're you go you're you become much better at that, and you stay balanced, then you know there's a chance. But I don't feel like you can halfway run the air raid. You know, it's like you either run the air raid or you don't, or you're you're a balanced offense. Like I don't know. It's so it's it, it feels different than say Wisconsin now has Tanner Mordecai and a and a a, a pass happy offensive coordinator that like. They still got some big offensive linemen. They can still got some great running backs, and they can run the ball. And now we can pass the ball too. It, this feels like if you're gonna abandon the air raid and try to start pounding the, the rock, then you're you're kind of losing your entire identity. So, yeah, I feel like Mississippi State. I'm gonna have to take the under. They, I just not a believer in the Bulldogs this year. Can't call them the dogs. They're the Bulldogs. Okay, a little insecure there. <laughs> How many titles is it gonna take? Um, Kentucky. Six. Hey, this this we need to get on a on a, on a tangent here. Oh, this no. insecurity thing. Can we talk about this? This is like 
Why are Georgia fans called insecure? It's called bragging rights, sir. They got bragging rights. This is how college football works. They win. They talk shit. It's not insecure. They just got bragging rights. This all sounded very insecure, what you just did there. <laughs> this is college football, man. We're going to yell. We're going to pound our chest. We're on the top of the mountain right now. You got to enjoy it. No, it seems Who knows like how long it'll last? It just seems like you pop in the comments a lot. And you're just like... You remind Tennessee fans the rain stuff. You pop in and you're just... You just pop in when you're not needed. Like, Georgia fans are just popping up. They're just like, hey. That's how bragging are you having? Were, no, 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 no. Are you finding some joy? Hey, hey. That's enough joy from you. We've won back-to-back national titles. They're the joy police on X right hey, now. Hey, it all depends. I... I'd have to see some examples. You know, there might be some guys that's like, oh, that great Hen and Hooker season last year. What do you do in Athens? Ha ha. Yeah. You know, I'm sure there's plenty of that going on. But a lot of it's like, we're going to beat the dogs next year. They're overrated. And you're like, no, that's not going to happen. I, you can't, you just can't let that sort of garbage go, uh, go unresponded to on the timeline. You can. You won back to back national titles. Anyway um back away from the insecurity segment here uh, on this <laughs> bragging paper. rights sir oh my god uh i'm gonna have an aneurysm uh god help us lsu no we'll go to kentucky six and a half speaking of god help us i thought we gotta stay in the in the in the west i'm bouncing around matt green oh man you're all over the place okay i like it i like bouncing around here kentucky six and a half matt green i was surprised that it was at this number um I am going over on Kentucky six and a half. I think that's kind of is too low for them. Um, I think eight and four feels about right for the Wildcats this year with Devin Leary. And yeah, I feel like this team six and a half feels like they could have done that. Like if they just kept doing what they're doing last year, right? Like with zero improvement, they're doing six and a half. And I think, I, mean, I think there's reason for optimism. Like the the way we talk about some of these teams, like that were really good offensively but really bad defensively that just feels so much hard like an arkansas not really good but they're they're fine Mm. that seems way more difficult to solve than the team that is good defensively and really bad offensively it just feels like it's a lot easier to bring in an oc bring in a quarterback from the transfer portal and now all of a sudden this offense could be you know middle of the road in the sec i mean if kentucky's the sixth or seventh best offense in the in the conference like this team might win 10 games like i don't think it takes much for kentucky like you look at the schedule four cupcakes basically out of conference right ball state easter carolina or east kentucky akron and who am i missing uh louisville at the end of the season so three cupcakes the louisville game is obviously big but i mean this team can beat van when at vanderbilt they can beat florida at home like I think that Kentucky should start five and zero. Like, yeah, I mean, Kentucky or Florida isn't just an automatic win when you're Kentucky, but they've played Florida. They feel like they've had Florida's number like as much as anyone like the last five six years. Like, just every game is close. And then obviously, George at Georgia, you don't expect a victory, but Missouri is a team that Kentucky can beat. Tennessee is most likely not a victory, but at Mississippi State, we're not high on the Bulldogs this year. They do get Bama from the West, so. Getting Bama and Mississippi State probably kind of evens out a little bit. At South Carolina, at Louisville, like there's a lot of toss-up games. I think the second half of the season, but I think they're after the five and zero start, which I think they're going to get off to. I mean, you got to go. What is that? Two and five the rest of the way to to get to the six and a half. So 
I, I think I like them to do that. I, I could see them winning eight games this year and being maybe the third best team in the in the East. Like Devin Leary, it's hard to know what you're getting out of the portal. You know, like we've just seen so many guys have success some places and then go somewhere else and and never see the field. So it's, you know, you, you never know, but I, I still like Devin Leary. I'm a believer in in 2021. Is that his best season or was it like 2020? Like I feel like he's been there for so long in college for so long, but um, I think you're going to see an improvement in the offense, like as crazy as to say, because how many people love Will Levis, how much people love Will Levis, but he wasn't a very good college quarterback. So I think Devin Leary could easily be an upgrade in the quarterback spot. And, and with the new OC or the new old OC back, like I think Kentucky could, uh, could win seven, eight games for sure. Yeah. I just think they were a top 10 defense last year. And everything went wrong. I love the receiver room. Brown and company are back. It's probably the best receiver room they've had at Kentucky. The offensive line should be a little bit better. Liam Cohen back as OC when they had their most success in the Stoops era. I mean, they're still going to get their ass kicked by Tennessee when they come into town because that's what Heupel does and what Tennessee does to Kentucky year over year. They're going to get their ass kicked by Georgia too. But they are going to sleep Didn't last year. Kept that one close. I mean, yeah, that Georgia really loved that. They played with their food at Kentucky and Mizzou. That was, Those a, two, that was a weird one for sure. That was like one of the worst games, by the way, on the college football season. Underrated how awful that game truly was. Like a truly awful experience. I hated watching every moment of that it game. It wasn't a good one, that's for no. sure. Um, I'm going to say they sleepwalk into 8-4 uh, and four and hitting the over. So we agree on the Wildcats. Matt Green, what about the... LSU Tigers, nine and a half here. A lot of LSU love coming out of the West here. Do you agree? I do. I really like mm. LSU this year. I think, um, like we were talking about, I kind of alluded to it earlier. I get such 2017 Alabama vibes from this team mm. because I'm I'm not a believer in Jaden Daniels being like a superstar. I think Jaden Daniels is a is a really good player. I feel like he he has he gives them a high floor, if you will. So you look at like 2017 is why I was not a believer in Jalen Hurts, and I'll uh, I'll admit all the time how wrong I was about Jalen Jalen Hurts' development. But in 2017, I was correct about him. He was a game manager but he was a game manager rushing for like 800, 900 yards and like double digit touchdowns. So I think I see Jaden Daniels doing that. Like look at, you look at what he did last year, 17 touchdowns to three picks. Like that's not some sort of like airing it out, like superstar quarterback. Like that's 17 touchdowns is, is a pretty average to maybe even below average uh, for a starting quarterback. But we know this guy is dynamic uh, with his legs as well, 885 yards and 11 touchdowns on the ground. So I think with what LSU should be year two, like hopefully we get to see Mason Smith for more than like, I don't know, like five plays. I think he, he uh, I think it was ACL, mm. had the seasoning injury just immediately in the first game of the season last year. And, and by all accounts, this guy might be the best defensive lineman in college football. Like he's just number one defensive tackle coming out of high school and you – just haven't yet you've yet to see what this guy can really do at the next level so with what uh also harold perkins moving uh to inside linebacker this year like i think this defense has got some dudes on it and i think like with what alabama fans think they're going to be and be able to run the ball take care of the ball and play defense i think that's what lsu is going to be this year and with the schedule 
it's hard to see them going like 11 and one and like, uh, you know, maybe winning the SEC and getting in the playoff. But this feels like a 10 and two team to me. So mm. with nine and a half, I'm going to go over on LSU. Interesting. Okay. I like it, Matt Green. I'm going over on them. I think 10 and two is the floor here for LSU Ooh. Uh, going into this year. Jaden Daniels, I think, is going to end up being the best quarterback in the conference this year. I think this defense is loaded. Um, they are going to be much better than they were a year ago. They were 33rd in scoring defense last year. I think they're going to be a whole lot better flirting with the top 10. They were um, 24th in offense last year. It felt like they were a lot higher. That's They had a very, very sneaky, strong start to uh, the Brian Kelly era, and I think they're going to keep rolling. One of the biggest things, they move on from uh, Pullian as their special teams coordinator who killed them because they had horrific special teams last year, um, which cost them some stuff. Remember the Florida State stuff, the Tennessee game, all kinds of blunders in that one. Um, but they, What did they miss the extra point mm, uh, against Florida State at the end? Is that what happened? Went to overtime? Is yes. That Am I remembering that correctly? Yes, I believe that. Yeah, because I, I, I think it hit the, it hit the, um, didn't it hit the, it had the boom sound. I want to say it hit the, the boom cross. Sound. Yeah, I, if I remember correctly. Um, but either way, I think they're loaded all across the board, Matt Green. And I, I think they go 10 and 2, but Matt Green, I don't think they win the SEC West this year. I love we're doing this on the preview show because it's not going to be the LSU Tigers who win it, Matt Green. No. Mm. No. It's going to be the Texas A&M Aggies who win the SEC West this year. Wow. I'm doing it. I, what, life is short, Matt Green. You might well, as well gonna, follow your catch, heart. Can I, can I stop you real quick yeah. before you get going? Yeah. Um. They scored with no time left versus Florida State, and then missed the extra point to lose yeah. by one. Okay, so that's that was, what it, it didn't force overtime. They yeah, just they missed lost. the extra point. They I remember there was a game. dumb extra point thing at the end of the game. <clears throat> yeah, but sorry, sorry, I didn't mean to slow your roll. Go Texas A and M. A and M winning. No, I mean we're good. A and M is going to win this conference or win this. You know what? I'm just gonna say it. No, I'm not gonna. They're not winning the conference, but. <laughs> A&M is going to the SEC title game this year. I am buying all the way in. They have top five talent nationally. I like Connor Wigman. I like this wide receiver room. I like the running back room. I like the offensive line. Love the defensive line. Love the love the linebacking room. They're replacing some guys in the back end in the corners and safety spots. This is the most complete team Jimbo's had if he just hands the keys to Bobby Petrino. Top five offensive mind in the sport. You have a great defensive coordinator. You have a great staff. You've been there before. They were on the the breaking point, the precipice of making the college football playoff with Kellen Mond that last year in 2020. They were really, really good. People act like AM's not been close before. I think it's all set up. That is for them. the one. What is this? Year seven? But it's hey, they were there, Matt Green. <laughs> and I think they are going to be there once again. With the AM Aggies and the Georgia Bulldogs meeting in the SEC title game. That's what I'm going to say. I'm going to say we get AM who goes 11 and 1, Matt Green, mm. with their one loss being to the Tennessee Volunteers <laughs> in Neyland Stadium, which I think will be the uh. game 
of the year in the SEC. I am going to say Petrino's bunch and Connor Wegman and what that fan base, 200,000 seat stadium fan bases going at it. It's going to be fun. I think this is going to be a top 10 defense. And if you just, I'm believing in Petrino getting the keys. And I think this should and has all the makings of a top 10 offense. I think this is the year they break through in our elite. I think the Aggies win the West. This is the year they break through. If not now, win Texas A&M, win. So I might as well do it. I'm going Aggies to win the SEC West and beat Bama at home and also beat LSU. Mm. Um, I'm not going to lie. I'm, uh, I'm a little upset with you over here. I feel like you, you took my stole my thunder a little bit, just a little bit. Here. Oh, no. I've been drinking the Bobby Petrino Kool-Aid for a while, sir. I feel like I've talked you into the Bobby Petrino. Oh wow! Uh, no, but I've, I've, I'm, I'm right there with you. I think Bobby Petrino is one of the best offensive minds in college football over the last two decades, and I think there's a reason he was brought in to Texas A&M to fit to fix this offense. Like, and this is the best wide receiver core in the SEC, in my opinion. They're just loaded with weapons. The defense. The defense is what I'm not as sure about. They were mm. first in the SEC in pass defense last year. They were also 14th in the SEC in run defense. So, yeah, you're not going to pass on teams that you can just run all over. So they have to get better uh, against the run. We saw what that recruiting class was, especially what they recruit on the defensive line a couple years ago. Like, these guys are going to be sophomores. Like, now you're going to see, you know, the, the fruits of that recruiting class a little bit more, kind of how you were talking with, with, a, with Alabama's 2023 class. Like, this 2022 A&M class is the one that's going to make a difference on the field mm-hmm. this year. Connor Wegman, I'm on board with Connor Wegman. I think he's going to be one of the better quarterbacks in the SEC this year. I'm not going all in on them winning the conference. I do think this is a 10-win team this year. I think we're going to see – that's my bold prediction. Uh-oh. I think we're going to see three SEC West teams go 10-2 and two this season. And so I don't have A&M in the, uh, in the SEC championship, but I am going over on the eight and a half. I think the eight and a half is easy. I think this is going to be a really good team this year. And I, I don't even know that A&M is, or I don't even know that Tennessee is one of those losses. Oh, wow. Here's the reason they're losing Tennessee. They're playing Alabama the week prior at home. There's no off week in between those two games for A&M. To have to do that, to play Alabama's style, and then to win, I think, in a grind it out, like it's going to be a physical, just brutal, brutal gladiator clash to then have to go and play potentially the best offense in college football once again the following week inside Neyland, where that might be where game day is uh, at that point. I think it's just going to be rocking, and it's just it's going to be an unpleasant atmosphere for AM. and it's just going to be really hard for them to get up off the mat and beat AM in Tennessee, or beat Bama and Tennessee in back-to-back weeks. I think that's just going to be too much for them but then you look at it after that the miami game is i think the biggest one if they go to miami and beat the crap out of the canes and like that's how they kick things started it's like oh they're they're taking this they've petrino's got the keys they're healthy they're doing their thing then you're like oh the the a&m train's coming (laughs) and everybody better watch out because i think we'll know after miami which way this is going um for the aggies so Go over the Miami man. team. That's definitely that's a sneaky game. Like at Miami, I think we're all penciling that in as a win. And like maybe Cristobal, they're much improved in year two. It almost feels like another year one. Like 
your year one head coach and you fire both coordinators after one year, like it it almost feels like it's it doesn't feel like the same year two bump uh, with Miami. And I'm just not really sure what to expect out of Miami this year. But that's definitely a dangerous game. But on top of Alabama and Tennessee, like to elaborate to your point, they play Auburn, Arkansas, Alabama, and Tennessee. Like that's potentially three teams in a row that want to run the ball all over you and have a, a big time physical quarterback potentially that's going to be doing some damage on the ground. So they could be a little bit beaten up by the time they get into, into Knoxville. There you go. Uh, Matt Green, Ole Miss, seven and a half here. Uh, what say you about Lane Kiffin's bunch? Seven and a half felt too rich for my blood, sir. Mm. I just, uh, I, I do obviously, Qu- Quinshawn Junkins, I think is the second best uh, running back in the SEC this year. I trust that Lane Kiffin is is going to to get good quarterback production. Like, is that Jackson Dart? Like, it sounds like it's Jackson Dart that he's improved a lot over the offseason. I think he's the first player that teammates have said he looks great in the offseason, right? He's he's a changed man. He's in the best shape of his life. I think they're the first person who's ever said that. I think with Jackson Dart, he's obviously got some ability, but I'm still not sold on Jackson Dart. I feel like Spencer Sanders, Oklahoma State gives me such Hendon Hooker, Virginia Tech vibes. Like, I feel like they're almost the same exact player, like equally flawed, equally dynamic. Get him in a good system like Hendon Hooker did with Josh Heupel. Spencer Sanders, you could potentially get a lot out of. I feel like he's a guy who has tools. And ultimately, I think I think he should be the starter. I think he's a better player than than Jackson Dart. But, you know, Dart knows the system. He's he's the guy that's already been there. Maybe he's improved and, and he holds him off. But there's probably a reason they brought Spencer Sanders in. So I trust that Lane Kiffin is going to get the most out of this offense. And it's going to be a good offense. It's just about the defense. Like, I just don't know what to expect. I think, were they the number one running team in the country last year, I think? Like, they, they're going to pound the rock. But I just – I have to see more defensively before I just – I know what Ole Miss is, like, floor is. Like, they, they've, they've – what, did they win eight games last year? Mm. Uh, Ten games the year before? Like, they've obviously – They've been one of the better in the top half of the SEC West <clears throat> a couple years in a row, but the problem I don't with know. them is if we're gonna go A and M, we're gonna go LSU, we're gonna go Bama, and then I'm taking the Auburn over. Somebody has to lose some games, and my bottom three in this co- side of the conference is Ole Miss, Mississippi State, and Arkansas. I think they go under. I think this is a seven to five team. You can't have everybody. It's just too tight at the top. Like it's just there's somebody has to lose some games in this side of the conference. And I think it's old miss. This schedule sucks for them. We talked about Mississippi State. Like tech at home, that should be fine. At Tulane, week two, with I I don't know. Like that's a yeah. coin flip game. At Bama, rough. You get Bama and LSU back to back. And then you get welcome to the physical party with Arkansas. Um right after that i mean i don't know you get a break and a breather before you have to go to auburn but that's i don't know how i feel about that AM, if i'm picking AM to run the gauntlet you're losing that game at home in november then you get treated to at georgia back to back like 
Even the Egg Bowl is on the road in Starkville this year. I don't like this schedule at all for Ole Miss. I think Quinshawn Judkins, and when you said that Raheem Sanders was the best running back in, fo- in the SEC, that's where I disagreed. Is It's Judkins to me, and I don't even think it's particularly close. I think Quinshawn Judkins, especially as a true freshman last year, workhorse, do it all back. He is, uh, he is a superstar in this conference, and I think he's going to have a great year and helps Jackson Dart a lot. I don't know, though. I think this Lane Kiffin's a great coach. Love Lane. But this feels like seven and five to me. This schedule's too tough. The, this side of the conference now is better. Auburn being back is bad for Auburn. LSU being back and is bad is for Auburn. Auburn ba- I don't know if Auburn is back yet, though. Auburn is going to pass Ole Miss. We know that historically. There is a reason that the Tuppervilles of the world don't stay at Ole Miss and go to uh, Auburn. There's a reason that they're, they're, some jobs are better than others. And Auburn is going to be better than Ole Miss sooner rather than later. And I think it actually starts this year. That's my gut. Yeah, and when you play that SEC West late and then you you throw Georgia on top of it, like that's just that's not a recipe for hitting the over on your preseason win total. So yeah, I'm I'm with you. This feels more like a seven and five team to me. They just uh they gotta fix that defense. Mm. Pete Golding's on the way. Uh Matt Green. Maybe the Florida Gators. Five and a half, just second worst in the SEC. Kind of scary if you're a fan of any SEC East team where you're like, I don't, they have blue chip talent. Look, Graham Mertz is going to be the starting quarterback uh, for the Gators out of the gate here. Don't really know what to do with that, but I, this is tough, man. I, where are you going with the Florida Gators? Because if they go under here and they miss a bowl game, Year two, that's three straight years of just rough, rough play from the Florida Gators when that's just not acceptable uh, in Gainesville. Napier deserves more time, but you change staff a lot. You have a young superstar, maybe in waiting DC here. Uh, the I think he's in his 20s, the guy that Alabama hired and then uh, Florida quickly gathered because a lot of guys went to the NFL from the staff. So... New offense, new defense. <laughs> Putting your faith in Graham Mertz and the Graham Mertz that we've seen uh, to this point in the college game. A limited wide receiver room. A nice one-two punch in the in the backfield. Losing Goodwin um, at left tackle, um, who's gone. I don't know if he's going to be back. It seems like he's not going to be back for Florida this year. The offensive line's not good. The defense, I think, will be better this year, but... I don't know, Matt Green. This is another just rough, rough schedule when you are trying to make progress in year two here. I, I'm i going to go under. This feels like a 5-7 and seven team to me. And what sucks more is they might go 5-7 and seven and still beat Tennessee. That's just the worst case scenario for <laughs> me is that that's on the table. Yeah, they have, uh, what is it, five teams in the preseason top 15 on their schedule. Uh, that's brutal. Mm-hmm. Um, Got to start the season cross-country against Utah. And, I mean, you, at Utah and, and Florida State out of conference is by far the toughest out of conference that anyone in the SEC has. And, oh, yeah, you're also playing Georgia, and you're also playing LSU, who could potentially be the two teams in the SEC championship by most people, I think's predictions. And then Tennessee, yeah, they're uh, they're pretty good too. So it's a brutal schedule, but that was five games we named. And five and a half, 
I just I don't see Florida missing a bowl game. And I think mm. to go under, they got to miss a bowl game. Like you look, just count them, McNeese State, or are they just McNeese now? Uh, Charlotte, Vanderbilt, at Missouri, that's getting you four. Um, and then maybe at South Carolina, like they did beat the brakes off of South Carolina a year ago. They they made some offensive adjustments since then. But I think there's a legitimate chance. I know that people are going to call me crazy. There's a legitimate chance they get a quarterback upgrade this year. Like as good as Anthony Richardson, as, as many tools as he has, like – he wasn't a good college quarterback last year. Like that, the Kentucky game, you could argue that Anthony Richardson lost that game. One of the more, one of the worst interceptions I've ever seen. He was just, he made bad decisions. Like this offense, just it was not a good offense. And Graham Mertz, like I don't think he's a world beater. I'm confused at how many people I hear hyping up Graham Mertz and Florida fans you know, bat, pounding their chest about Graham Mertz and maybe it's Twitter and it's not a real place and it's, uh, I'm not hearing from the smartest people out there. But they feel, con- they seem confident in Graham Mertz and it almost, mm. is this like a Nick Saban, a quiet confidence? They're, uh, I don't know. But I, I feel like, uh, you know, I'm a believer in the year two bump. I don't see Florida breaking through and winning the SEC and winning double digit games or anything. But in terms of just making a bowl game, I think that's, uh, I think that's reasonable. So uh, yeah, give me Florida to go over on that. Maybe not, maybe not much over, but I'll go over. Oh wow! I never would have thought you were going over on the Florida Gators here, Max. Six and six isn't great. Like you can be a really bad season and they still go over. Missouri six and a half, Matt Green. Final two here, and we give we're giving Vanderbilt thirty seconds for having a field that will house less folks than I believe Louisiana Tech if I saw that correctly uh, today. So just we're not doing it. But anyway, uh, Matt Green, the Missouri Tigers. Just embarrassing. I'm I'm almost getting conspiracy theorist on. Like they're they're trying to take uh, seats out of that stadium. Oh, sorry, guys, not ready for the seat. And then their season start. You know what? We kind of like it this way. We're mm-hmm. open, open concept. Um, so let's go to the Missouri Tigers. At a conference, you got Kansas State. Uh, that's not an automatic win. It was a loss last season. Um, Kansas State could be one of the better teams in the Big 12 this year. So that's going to be tough. They get LSU from the West. They get at Arkansas from the West. Like That's going to be two tough games. And then obviously, Tennessee hung, what, 66 on them last year? Mm-hmm. Uh, you were accusing them of running up the score late? <laughs> Because they definitely were, but um, mm. and at Georgia, uh, I mean, obviously they played Georgia tough last year, but I mean, who's betting on that necessarily happening again? Mm. Um, it could, you know, who knows? But with Missouri, they're just such a hard team to read. They had a pretty good defense last year, so it really is a lot on the offense. I feel like this is a Eli Drinkwitz is tough. I don't feel like he's under a lot of pressure, especially now with the way they're recruiting recently. Like, you got to be happy about Missouri landing five stars. But he's an offensive guy. And if if the defense is, is solid and the offense continues to just be mediocre, then, you know, at some point, you know, Eli Drinkwitz has got to – it's got to show what he's worth, right? Brady Cook has shown signs of being a, a pretty good player, but, I mean – 
it wouldn't surprise you if he wasn't the starter halfway through the season, right? Like I don't know who I don't know who their backup is off the top of my head. I'm not saying he's gonna get. Oh, I benched. can tell you. Who is that? Jake Garcia. Oh, that's right. Yeah. So Sam I mean, Horn's hurt, so I don't think it's gonna be Horn. So a guy with some talent, a lot of uh, Georgia high school uh, connections uh, in their quarterback room. So I um I think I think Brady Cook is solid for the record. I think I think he could be a fine quarterback and you know and they win seven eight games but i just i'm not a believer in missouri i think they could go to a bowl game but oh man i'm tempted to go over they feel like they could go i wouldn't be surprised if they can win seven games but um give me the under give me give me six and six for missouri six and six feels right they're going to get blasted by uh Georgia and Tennessee this year. Tennessee going to Mizzou and then Georgia getting the comeuppance here uh, with the Tigers coming back to Athens. They might lose those two games by a combined 70 points. Um, there are two games that I'll go ahead and pencil and that Hypo will never lose at Tennessee. Missouri and Kentucky. He will never lose either mm-hmm. of those two games. Um, yeah, Brady Cooks, I think, came on. He's sneaky better than I think a lot of people think. He's not one of the worst quarterbacks in the conference. Um, I think he's got a good feel for that offense. I think he'll be okay. Luther Burden's one of the best receivers. The defense should be a little bit better this year. I just don't see the wins on the schedule. I'm going to hit the under. I think six and six feels right for the Tigers. They just make a bowl game again. I don't think they beat Arkansas back to back years. So I think that's a loss. I think they're fighting for their bowl lives here. And it wouldn't surprise me if they were five and seven, actually. Yeah. Brady Cook is the uh, Ryan Tannehill of the SEC. He's, Mm. He's fine. He can do some things, but I don't feel like he's really going to elevate you. If you got some good pieces around him, he can play solid. And Luther Burden, I think we definitely want to see this guy if he can uh, become mm. that superstar uh, receiver. You know, they used him in a lot of different ways last year. But Brady Cook, he's fine. He's uh, and and Missouri could be fine this year. I think that's about it. There you go, Matt Green. Final team that we'll spend uh, a good amount of time on here: the South Carolina Gamecocks. Many do not like the South Carolina Gamecocks. Tennessee fans, Georgia fans, uh, America. A lot of folks. I think South uh, Carolina fans are the biggest fans of our pod. If uh, if we're if we're tracking the data, um, not fans for me, Matt Green. Six and a <laughs> half here uh, for those dang Gamecocks. What say you about Shane Beamer here in year three? Do they build off Clemson and Tennessee, or do they regress back to fighting for bowl eligibility this year? I just don't know who they are. Right, like to to get shut out or they didn't get shut out was it 30 to 36 the offense i think didn't score mm. against florida um and then to just come out and just ruin two teams college football playoff chances back-to-back weeks in in tennessee and clemson just absolutely changed everything about their season and i'm not sure like we should forget like where they were you know what i mean like this team was six and four heading into two teams that they shouldn't have beat and they did beat those teams so you can't take it away from them but i just worry with what they lost out of the portal um we've talked about it a bunch um i'm blanking on um tight ends name going to florida state oh jaheem bell jaheem bell um so yeah i mean i think i thought he was one of the best playmakers on their team last year they do still have juice wells and he's gonna be one of the better receivers in the sec I just don't know what we're getting from Spencer Rattler. Like Spencer Rattler could, 
legitimately be only because I think this is one of the more wide open years for SEC quarterbacks. Like there's no Bryce Young. That's just clearly like his future NFL quarterback. Spencer Rattler could potentially be the best quarterback in the SEC. And he could be, he could get benched midseason. Like I really just don't have any idea and probably not benched because I don't know what South Carolina really has to put in behind him. But I just, I have no idea what I'm really getting from Spencer Rattler. The like, like, I love how people love to, especially Georgia fans, love to dismiss the Missouri, the, the Kentucky performances, you know, like, oh, that wasn't really who Georgia was. But then on the same, uh, at the same time, love to make fun of Tennessee for getting 60 points uh, dropped on them by South Carolina. It's like, well, that's not really who Tennessee was. They weren't giving up 60 points to, like, mediocre offenses all season. Like, they, they smashed LSU in Death Valley. So... It's hard to just say like, oh, the 60 point performance for Tennessee is who South Carolina is. Like they did beat Clemson, but it was all they were kind of getting blown out and kind of had to had to make a comeback versus Clemson at the same time. You know, it's like they still won the games, not taking anything away from South Carolina, but it just still feels like smoke and mirrors. It just doesn't feel like it's a, a linear progression that like we're building. I mean, I think the. The win-loss record would tell you it's a linear progression, but it does it doesn't really feel that way to me that this is they're gonna progress into a nine and four team this year. Like I just don't I don't see that from South Carolina. I, I just they're they're gonna be the underdogs in probably most of the games they play this season, like or at least half of the conference games they play this season. Like I'm just I'm not a believer from the West. They get at AM and Mississippi State. Not necessarily the worst uh pull from the West, but I mean AM is a really good team and at AM is is probably a loss. So I think um what was it, six and a half or mm-hmm. was it seven and a half? Six and a half. Oh man, this team feels like they could win seven games. So, ah, man, I, 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 look at me, let me, let me count the losses. Georgia, Tennessee, I'm going to say Clemson, I'm going to say Texas A&M. Those are the only four guaranteed losses I'm seeing on the schedule to me. And North Carolina is going to be a tough one to open the season. I wasn't even including that. It's like, you're having to win all the other games, or maybe, maybe you break through and win one of those, beat one of those teams. It's going to be tough for this team to win seven games, but you know what? Give me give me Shane Beamer. I'm going to bet on Shane Beamer this year, and maybe this team wins seven games. So if if Florida's going to be bad, if Vanderbilt's going to be bad, if Kentucky's or if Tennessee's going to take a step back, if Missouri's going to be bad, South Carolina's got a chance to beat some teams. So I think this team is. I think seven and five might be their max. Eight and four, probably their max. I guess. I don't know how likely it is, but give me South Carolina on the over. I'm surprised they did that, to be honest. I'm going under. They beat North Carolina. North Carolina not having their uh, best receiver uh, in the the transfer uh, denied uh, a few weeks back. I'm a little bit more nervous about that and the the change from Lambeau to Lindsay and all that. But big Drake May guy, but I just I have my doubts that they win that one. Um, I think they lose to Georgia. I think they lose to Tennessee. They beat Mississippi State. They lose to Florida. I think they lose at Mizzou. Lose at AM. Beat J State. Beat Vandy. Lose to Kentucky. Lose to Clemson. What is that? Five and seven? I wasn't counting, but that sounds about right. I think best case scenario, they go bowl eligibility at six and six. 
Give him another toss-up one there. Gamecocks are going under. And I don't going even know under. what the number, number is going to be. Number one South with Carolina the... hater. Horse I, going under. I mean, I can't wait. Get the Gamecocks back here in, in Neyland Stadium this fall. I can't I can't wait. My heart's my heart's ready, Matt Green, for what's uh what's ahead. Bart for... Scott over here. Can't wait. I can't wait. Uh what I can wait for is the Vanderbilt Commodores uh 2023 college football season. Matt Green, I'm giving him 30 seconds here to close up tonight's show. Give me your 30 seconds on the Vanderbilt Commodores. Three and a half. They're going over, man. They're going Are to they? Be, oh, yeah. Hawaii, Alabama, A&M, at Wake Forest, at UNLV. This team could go 4-0 and and just, you know, go over by the end of – before the September ends. So, um, and if not, maybe they maybe they creep up and win one game in the, in the conference. So I feel um, like you're penciling in a win at Wake. I mean, is Wake going to be? It's still Wake. It is. It's it's, it's a road game. Your boy Sam Hartman, but um, no, the it's definitely doesn't go anywhere. The mesh Van, offense is still right there. They're not Vanderbilt, beating Wake. You can't just you can't just pencil and just automatic wins versus just about anybody. But I think the other three cupcakes at a conference, I think you can. Um, and so just I'm going under Matt Green. This is crazy. Look at the schedule. Like they could lose their final seven games of the year. Of course they are. They could. They're Vanderbilt. <laughs> They're supposed to lose every SEC game they play. But I mean, but they go to they Florida. They go to Florida. They're not beating Florida back to back years. They go uh, to yeah. Florida, Georgia at home, at Ole Miss, Auburn at home, which the Jefferson Pilot Bowl is what that should be called. You should get a Jefferson Pilot yeah, I think, plaque. Uh, I think Missouri and, and Auburn. I think those might be their shots. Like uh, maybe Auburn's having Missouri's a their shot, I think, at home. Maybe Auburn's having a rough season, and then they kind of, uh, you know, take all, take uh, Vanderbilt for granted. Who knows? Sleepwalking on a on a early November game. Who knows? But yeah, yeah sure. I think uh, I think they could go four and zero at a conference. It's they at least three and one. So yeah, give me the give me the Commodores to to find a way to get that fourth win. All right, sure. I'm going under. Uh, that's it here for the SEC conference preview Hold season on. is done. Oh, last thing, conference championship, sir. Oh, I revealed mine already. So who's winning the SEC? Texas going to be the Georgia Bulldogs. They don't win oh. the title, but they win the SEC. I think they w- win the SEC, beat Texas A&M, but they do not win the conference or the national title. You can title. only hope. Um... I am going to uh, go a different angle. So I told mm. you three SEC West teams are going 10-2. and two. So that might be LSU. That might be A&M. Not so fast, my friend. The Alabama Crimson Tide are oh, going God. to win the SEC West because that they're going to lose to Texas in week two. So they'll have a 10-2 and two record, but just one loss in conference. And mm. I think Alabama still... Uh, Goes to the SEC championship and Georgia gives an overdue beatdown to the uh, to the Crimson Tide. They Alabama's given us uh, some lesser Georgia teams some some pretty big beatdowns through the years, and I think uh, I think this is going to be the one. Like we saw we saw them beat Alabama finally the national championship, but um, some of these better Georgia teams haven't gotten to play Alabama because they've. Some of them missed the SEC championship some years. So I think this year, I think if you see Georgia and Alabama get matched up together, I think 
I think Alabama is a terrible matchup for Georgia. Or I think Georgia is a terrible matchup for Alabama. Like with what with what they do well and having a a quarterback that's run first and and not not necessarily going to beat you deep. Uh, I think Georgia's going to disrespect Alabama's passing game, and I don't think Alabama will be able to run on Georgia to be honest. So I think they're just not a good matchup. But I think they I think they're good enough to out talent just about everyone they're going to play this year uh, except for Georgia. So. Give me Georgia over Alabama, and I think is that Georgia's first SEC championship win. I think over Alabama ever. I think I want to say. Yeah. And also, while we're at it, I think the dynasty is officially dead after the 2023 season. Like that doesn't mean Alabama's never going to win another national championship under Nick Saban. But LSU won a national championship with Joe Burrow. It wasn't a dynasty, right? Like. The era of Alabama being this perennial championship contender, I think, is over. Like, if we're going to see a ten and two, maybe ten and three, maybe it's eleven and three if you win the bowl game. Like, three lost seasons aren't what you do down in Tuscaloosa, and I think it's just we're in an era where Alabama is just one of the really good teams, and and if things come together for them, they can still win a national championship. But I think. The years of just plug and play, it doesn't matter how many guys they lost. Because that's the other thing. They lost 10 guys to the draft last year, including three first-rounders. Like, this was one of their worst teams a year ago, and they lost a lot of good talent off of it. So I'm not making the case for them to be in the SEC championship, but I'm making the case for uh, for Georgia to be better than them this year. So, yeah, I think the, uh, I think the dynasty is over. There you go. Matt Green, always a pleasure. And I'll talk to you next week. Sir. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah.